Hello, this is Pastor Kong Hee. I want to thank you for joining us on our podcast. I pray that you'll be blessed in Christ, encouraged by the Word, and experience an encounter with God. Remember, knowing God and being known by Him is the greatest pursuit of life. Enjoy the message. Jude, the brother of Jesus, says that concerning the salvation that we share, we must contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. What is the faith we must contend for? It is the gospel about the saving truth of Jesus Christ and his teachings. In this regard, when it comes to the gospel, we must know that we are first Protestants, then evangelicals, and then Pentecostals, and in this particular order. In the earlier post, we have learned why we are Protestants. Now, why are we evangelicals? There are 630 million evangelicals in the world. And that means one in every four Christians is an evangelical. Evangelicals are known for their four distinctives. Number one, biblicism or the centrality of the Bible. We have a very, very high regard for the Bible as the ultimate authority for all of life and ministry. To be evangelical means to be biblical. A biblical Christian is an evangelical Christian. Our loyalty is to the Word of God alone, to obey it and live it out in our lives. We are always ready to change and even abandon any of our beliefs if they are proven to be unbiblical. Evangelicals consider the Bible to be inspired, infallible, and inerrant. By inspiration, we understand every verse to be God-breathed, given by the Holy Spirit. By infallibility, we mean that the Bible is incapable of error. By inerrancy, we mean that the Bible is free of error. This has to be the case because the words of the Lord are flawless and true. Jesus says that every letter and stroke in the scripture is the divine word of God. As evangelicals, we are very adamant about the inerrancy of scripture. We do not accept any suggestion that the Bible has errors, contradictions, or inconsistencies. Yet, there are those who can't accept that the Bible is inerrant. They claim that there are historical and scientific errors in it, even though they wouldn't affect our faith or practice. Evangelicals reject such claims because if the Bible contains errors, how can we be sure that what it says concerning Jesus and God, salvation, and eternal life, and heaven, etc., still hold through. If the Bible is God-breathed, then it follows that it must be entirely be without error. So even if there seems to be some discrepancies in the Word of God, they are all alleged discrepancies. Most of them, if not all, can be explained through careful study of Scripture. Many of the problem passages can actually be explained with newer archaeological findings, such as from the Dead Sea Scrolls. In other cases, the answers may lie in further linguistic research. Even if the solution is not discovered one way or another, we must never suggest that there are errors or contradictions in the Bible. Number two, crucicentrism or the centrality of the penal substitution of Jesus on the cross. The sacrificial death of Christ 
has made possible the reconciliation and restoration of the fellowship between man and God. There are numerous theories of the atonement. The penal substitution theory is the hallmark of evangelicalism. Jesus died on the cross as our substitute to be punished for the penalty of our sins, thus satisfying the demands of justice so that God can now justly forgive our sins. Our reconciliation with God is made possible, not just because He loves us, but specifically because of the necessary atoning work of Christ and Him crucified. An antithesis of this is the moral influence theory, which is favored by many liberal theologians. This theory suggests that Jesus didn't die on our behalf of the human race to be our penal substitute, but to demonstrate the love of God and move us to repentance. Being influenced by Jesus' love, we can now desire to become better people who are more loving towards others. By loving others, we enter into salvation. As evangelicals, we cannot diminish the seriousness of sin or downplay the atoning work of Christ through His crucifixion. Number three, conversionism, or the belief that all lives need to be transformed through a born-again experience and a lifelong process of following Jesus, conforming to His Christ-likeness. Conversion refers to the moment a person repents and believes in Christ. Instantly, he is justified by faith, and God declares him not guilty. Christ's righteousness is imputed to him. There is a rebirth or a regeneration by the Holy Spirit. From that point, until the person arrives in heaven, he goes through a lifelong process of sanctification which is to be made holy and become more Christ-like in its affection, disposition, and virtues, becoming more and more Jesus-like in how he thinks and feels and acts in life. Number four, activism, or the expression and demonstration of the gospel in missionary and social engagement. Evangelicals want to be sought and light in the world. And that's to be Jesus' witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. We seek to heal the hurts and meet the needs of our society, elevating its self-esteem and enhancing its quality of life. We are concerned with issues of justice and righteousness. But evangelicals are always mindful that the Bible, the cross, and the gospel must inform all our social engagements. At the end of the day, the greatest gift we can offer fallen humanity is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Well, these are the four distinctives and convictions that define us evangelicals. We emphasize on number one, a very high regard of the Bible. Number two, the importance of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Number three, the need for personal conversion we need to be saved. And finally, number four, the need to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world through our good works. God bless and thank you.